Welcome to the City on a Hill podcast. We are a Catholic young adult ministry located in Kansas City with a mission to be the community that inspires and forms our generation to be saints. In today's episode, we will feature a young adult from our community who will share how they encountered Jesus and how they strive towards sainthood in their everyday life. Hopefully, this will encourage you in your pursuit of everyday holiness. Thanks for joining in on this episode of City on a Hill. Welcome back to another episode of the City on a Hill podcast, a story podcast where we interview Catholic young adults in the Kansas City metro area and get their stories of faith. I'm Father Andrew Mattingly, your host, director and chaplain of City on a Hill, and I'm happy to welcome on the show today, Tyler Supala. Tyler, welcome. It's good to be here, Father. Yeah. So we're just chatting beforehand, so you yourself are somewhat of a podcast junkie. Yeah. And uh, can can you give us your top three? Mm, Top three... Well, probably my reigning champ is Father Mike Schmitz. Nice. Um, ever since maybe high school, I think I started getting into podcasts with Father Mike Schmitz and yeah. listening to all of his homilies. Um, and he's definitely progressed and done many other things since then. Um, but Bishop Barron is also a pretty big one in my life. Um, but lastly, probably more of like a, uh, more of a public figure is uh, the Tim Ferriss show. Hmm. Um He's kind of like, he considers himself to be like a human guinea pig, I okay. guess. What's his name? Tim? Tim Ferris. Okay. Um, so he's not like religious per se. Um, definitely has like transcendent uh, elements huh. here and there, like uh, focusing on like the good, the true, the beautiful. Huh. Um, but I think that the reason why I like him is because he has on his episodes, like just world performers and... Um, people who've like really achieved a high degree of excellence mm. in some sort of category or some sort of profession. Um, so many different ideas yeah. from all the guests that he has on his shows and kind yeah. of inspiring. Oh, that's awesome. Why, why does he call himself the human guinea pig? Uh, well, he'll, he'll do just <clears throat> many different feats or try many different like diets or, oh. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, like the, I don't know, like carnivore diet or he'll try like um, just different, uh, different things to optimize his life. Okay. So it's kind of fun because he'll try it and then tell his guests how it goes. So we don't have to nice. <laughs> go through the, nice. the pain and or whatever great. it might be, or just see if it's like worth it to, yeah. to try so- certain things. That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Does he ever like try different religions? Um, that's a good question. I know he like is definitely impacted by different ideas huh. and sometimes he come, you know, like some of my friends and I listen together to these different podcast episodes hmm. and sometimes it, it seems like he's like on the cusp of many different Catholic ideas. Huh. Um, but if I were to guess anything, he's maybe more like Buddhist or um, like, yeah, I guess more like these Eastern okay. spiritual practices. Got it. Or maybe part of his life more than anything else. Okay. okay. But he, he actually had one, one guest on his episodes, uh, called, uh, Mr. Money Mustache. I don't know if you've ever heard of him before. <laughs> no, it sounds uh, awesome. Bro. <laughs> he is a, um, a native of Colorado, I think. Okay. But he is the, one of the biggest proponents of the fire movement, uh, hmm. which is financially independent, retire early. Okay. 
So Mr. Money Mustache is out in Colorado, and uh, I think that episode had a huge impact on me from huh. the Tim Ferriss show um, because he talks about like living below your means and um, really doing what you can to save like close to seventy percent of your income. Wow! So that you can basically not have to work past like. 35 or 40. What? Uh, 35 or 40. <laughs> As, at least that's like what he did. That's wild. Um, but he just kind of talks investment strategy. And yeah. the reason why I mentioned that is he, um, that led me to the decision to uh, give up my car for a year. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> which wasn't like, an, uh, initially I, I thought to myself, like, there's no way. Yeah. Because he, yeah. he proposed the idea in the podcast, like, you should do like 90% of your transportation without a car. Wow. Um, like talking about like, you should be able to get to the grocery or do like the majority of your things yeah um or like live in the vicinity of like where you do majority of your things so yeah. that you don't have to drive your car 90 percent of the time hmm. and so i initially thought to myself like that's impossible yeah like, at least in the midwest like we don't have a, a transportation system that enables us to do such a thing mm -hmm. um so i thought i thought like no I, I couldn't do that even if i wanted to but then i started thinking to myself um like, well, actually, could I do it? Because at the time I was living across the street from High V, <laughs> So I was like, well, maybe I could get my groceries yeah, uh, without driving a car. And then I thought about like um, where I go to church. And at the time I was living just a mile away from Holy Trinity. Okay. So I was like, hmm, I could probably walk to church. <laughs> um, and then also I just lived about eight miles away from St. James where I teach. Yeah. And uh, it was like residential enough that it was pretty feasible to ride a bike yeah and i was also training for a, a triathlon at that point so okay. i was like well i could use it as my exercise for the day yeah nice um so i made it th made the quick rash de decision to <laughs> give up my car for a year um what did you actually do with your car did you sell it yeah i ended up selling okay. it so i, I so there's no temptation to just like right. you didn't just like leave it in your driveway right. to <laughs> i mean there was like a little bit of an exit strategy where like i could sell it and then buy a new car if like yeah if it turned out like this is a horrible decision yeah, <laughs> yeah. um yeah. and i think that's what my parents advised are like how about you just try this for a couple of weeks before selling your car <laughs> i was like no that's not how i operate <laughs> i just jump into things yeah all or nothing um but yeah it ended up working out i was i think it was an, a lenten resolution i think at first just hmm. to see if I could detach a little bit. And yeah. there was more to it than just trying to save money as well. Yeah. Um, trying to be, I guess, more integrated yep. into like my surroundings and integrated to like the the beauty of the nature that, that surrounds me in Lenexa. Yeah. yeah. Um, and kind of just taking life at a slower pace. Mm -hmm. um, I think I was in, in that period of my life noticing that it was very typical for me to just kind of get up in the morning and whiz to school and hmm. and just kind of like have my transportation be the the means to an end or like kind of forgetting about the journey or forgetting about where I was yeah yeah um and I noticed when I rode my bike it was a slow enough pace that I yeah. could kind of take in the birds chirping and take in the sunrise and mm -hmm. uh, same thing in the evening is kind of just a good way to reflect and take life a little bit slower yeah so I started to really enjoy it for that reason. Um, and I, I still wish I could ride my bike. I'm a little bit further away from school. It'd be about like an hour long bike ride now. Wow. Okay. Um, and it's also not the best route to get to school. Yeah. So eventually I'm hoping to be back where I can do majority of my transportation again with a yeah. bike. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I remember it was a couple of years ago when somebody first mentioned your name. I hadn't met you yet. And they were like, you got to meet this guy. He's, he's crazy. He like, yeah. he like does something crazy every year. Like give up his car, or give up his cell phone. Or mm-hmm. I forget they mentioned something else. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, sounds Sounds kind of cool. Yeah, it sounds, <laughs> sounds like my students, but they, they normally like twist it and make stuff up. <laughs> oh, didn't you do this one thing in college? Like, uh, that's actually not true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> but, hilarious. Yeah, some of it's true. <laughs> the car thing is, that's definitely fascinating. Like, you know, just in our distraction culture, a lot of people's go-to when they're like, oh, my, I'm so distracted. Like, I should, I should give up social media for a while or I should mm-hmm. give up blank I haven't heard of anybody say like I should give up my car so that I can be more present really in like whatever location I'm in so I can't just kind of leave whenever I want or whenever right. I feel like it um so yeah the, that, that's another aspect that I started to realize I guess when like when I for example when I go to school and my transportation is a bicycle I can't really leave that easily you know, like yeah. I say, school gets done. <clears throat> and at the time I was coaching basketball too. So yeah. if I had a car, yeah. I would probably zip on home or go to like mm. Chipotle or something yeah. like real quick and leave leave the school. Um, or vice versa, something like uh, being at home. Um, I think it, it's typical if like you're at home and then you have an idea like, oh, I'm just going to run across town yeah. 10 miles away, no problem because I got a car. But without a car, those two scenarios, <clears throat> excuse me, you can't easily do that. So it gives you that stability. And, and also the people who live with you and work with you kind of mm-hmm. start to pick that up too, that yeah. when I'm at school, I'm at school for <laughs> the whole time, yeah. you know, until I leave to go home. And when I get home, I'm at home for the whole evening. Yeah. So yeah, there is that, I think a a good aspect of stability. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, man. Well, we may circle back to, to some of those things, yeah, sure. but, uh, but yeah, let's get in a little bit to your story. So just kind of tell us, um, yeah, how the Lord has led you from time you were young up until now. Yeah. It's a good question. <laughs> I, I think, um, just journeying all the way back to when I was a little kid, um, the Lord has truly blessed me with my my family life and my parents and uh, my two siblings have two older sisters. Um, and I can remember from being a little kid and sharing times with my sisters, just like taking walks around town. And we lived in kind of a smaller town in uh, many, uh, close to Minneapolis, St. Paul in Minnesota. But we would go rollerblading or take walks. And I remember specifically with my sister, Sarah, talking about like the faith and and I just really had um, kind of a religious sense, like Father Jasani talks about, hmm. which I'll probably get into a little bit of Jasani as well later on. But just from a young age, I remember just being captivated by uh, deeper things in life and hmm. um, sometimes to a fault, <laughs> a little bit too captivated by uh, like deeper things and religious things. But... I remember having just like such a, a wonderful upbringing and having a sister and also parents who are capable and willing to talk about those things really formed me, I think, um, and gave me a good foundation in the faith. So as I, as I aged, I think that was, um, something that was very pivotal. Um, 
However, as I do reflect on my my um, my faith journey, I guess <clears throat> there's a there's definitely a sense of kind of having a, an immature faith mm. of of um, almost looking upon God the Father and also like some of the saints, especially like Mary, as almost like harsh um, judges mm. <laughs> or yeah. Um, Probably what some people start off with the faith is like, I'm not going to do this because it's, it's something I'll get in trouble for, yeah. you know, <laughs> or maybe like what a kid does with their parents. And, um, it, it was definitely that way because um, of an influence from my from my mom who uh, was really getting into marrying apparitions when I was a young boy, hmm. um, which is definitely like a, a good thing and mm-hmm. beneficial, but also I think can have its setbacks in some, to some aspect. And what I'm trying to get at is for my upbringing, I, I think I heard a lot of messages, um, from approved Marian apparitions and some not approved Marian apparitions, but mm. some of the main things that came across from my young, um, point of view was like, you better start praying the rosary and you better start doing this stuff. Otherwise there's going to be all these chastisements and you don't want to get chastised. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of funny too, like looking back as I specifically remember being like a, an eight year old all the way up to like high school thinking that mm-hmm. like, man, I'm going to be so messed up someday because like I'm a sinner. Like yeah. I was, I was very aware of my sin mm-hmm. and I was afraid because of that, mm-hmm. because I, I knew all these messages of, Mm. of chastisement and better shape up. Otherwise there's going to be all this pain. (laughs) Um, and I think that really had a negative impact, uh, on my faith, at least Mm. like allowing me to go deeper into Mm. like the heart of, of our God who loves us and is also merciful. Um, so there's like a, probably specific point in college and and i know i'm kind of skipping over a few years and i'll jump back a bit but eventually i did get to the point where um i came out of that where i started to see um Hmm. see that there's a reason for like the rules of the faith or like the commandments of our faith yeah uh but when i was young i just kind of viewed all these things like mary says you can't do this stuff or like jesus says you can't do this or god yeah whatever says you can't do these things i i almost thought it was like uh like god is more of like a tyrant and mm-hmm. i have to obey otherwise mm-hmm. he's going to give me cancer in the future or oh gosh i'm not going to be able to have kids someday yeah like i truly thought these things wow. in my head wow um and mm-hmm. i i really like was anticipating a mm-hmm. an awful life <laughs> wow <laughs> Um, so yeah, reflecting back on it now, it, it just, it kind of uh, feels crazy or seem, maybe seems yeah. crazy. Um, at yeah. least from my own perspective, thinking, thinking back to what I used to, to think about the faith. Um, but then as I grew up in high school, I was blessed to have the, um, the friendship of my friend Carson. Um, and at this point he was Catholic in name and I was again, kind of immature in my faith, but the two of us really, uh, fell in love with the, the practice of adoration. Hmm. Uh, we were blessed to have perpetual adoration at one of our parishes in town. Um, and again, like his faith is pretty like brand new. Hmm. Um, 
and mine was again kind of immature but we both just loved like stopping into the adoration chapel after after going to school or before going to either uh, person's house to play call of duty (laughs) nice (laughs) but there was something that we definitely realized was of great value Hmm. in adoration Hmm. um so we often just like went there and spent like a minimum of five minutes or sometimes up to an hour together yeah um and with that friendship, I think we just, we started to really seek that solitude, but also just uh, start to have different conversations about hmm. the faith or about morality and ethics. Yeah. Um, and led us to like a deeper friendship. And that friendship ended up transpiring and um, developing into college. So hmm. after high school, I went on to Benedictine College and he went to the University of Notre Dame hmm. and um, we kind of like grew a little bit apart the first year. Yeah. Um, but after, after my sophomore year, I was kind of just really seeking like an authentic friendship, like a friend who I could tell like anything to, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, cause there are some, some things in my life that like I could just use, I, I, I knew I could use some extra help and I didn't feel comfortable enough, like going to anyone else or like really sharing my heart. Mm -hmm. But with him, I definitely like knew I could trust him, but I also like had never like totally like shared my heart with, with, I feel like anyone at that point. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if that's maybe like more of a a masculine trait or not, but like I I definitely was more reserved in my interior life. Mm -hmm. But in my sophomore year, I was like, Hey man, which I know this kind of sounds weird, but would you be willing to just like share in a like increased communication, um, like daily communication hmm. where we might like do more than texting. So like maybe something like a phone call every day or maybe like an email every day, just checking in. And like my, my main prerogative was like, I have these goals in place, mm-hmm. but on my own, I'm very good at like, stopping them i'm really good at getting out of it yeah um but i know that like i'm meant to be a man of virtue and a man of faith yeah um so i asked him specifically if he would if he would just be willing to have this daily communication and thankfully he was open to it nice and that was like i said was my sophomore year at benedictine and i think that that probably was one of the best decisions I had ever made. And, um, and I say that just because when you're in daily communication with another person with the intention to strive for virtue and you're like, you're holding each other accountable to certain goals that you've set for each other. Um, like that's just, just a recipe for like growth to happen. It's not easy. It wasn't like always easy to, send an email and sometimes it was like the morning after or whatever it was, but we, we were pretty good about like every Hmm. single day having Hmm. some sort of communication. Yeah. Um, and also it was like, it was interesting seeing like the transformation in my own, um, pursuit of virtue. It was no Hmm. longer like I'm doing this for my own sake or I'm doing this for God just because I, God told me to do so. But I was remembering that like, if I don't do this thing or if I choose to do this thing, I'm trying to avoid, Yeah, it's not only impacting me, 
but also like my buddy Carson mm. is also impacted by this and and I know bec- I know he loves me and I know he like wants me to strive after virtue yeah, yeah. and I know there's going to be like there's going to be sadness from his perspective if he sees me like not living the life that's yeah. good for him good yeah. for me yeah um so like I said that was a, a huge uh, blessing in my life and when we were we were communicating from my sophomore year all the way until when he got married, which was about three years later. Mm. So like at the end of his senior year. Um, and it was kind of funny. <laughs> just mention a quick story about that, that uh, maybe the week before he got married, <laughs> he called me up on the phone and, and, uh, it it kind of had like the the sense of like a breakup because <laughs> he was, he was getting ready to get married and yeah. he's like, you know, man, I, this has been like a huge blessing for both of us, but I know like my main allegiance now is, is to my <laughs> wife and I can't be like sending you an email <laughs> at the end of the day. <clears throat> like that's the time for her now. Yeah. And I was like, totally understand. <laughs> but it's just kind of funny how like it truly was an authentic masculine friendship. Yeah. Um, and one that was like hard to like, say goodbye to yeah and not like not that like we're not friends anymore but just like to diminish our communication yeah but definitely something that um i'm grateful to have had yeah um so i kind of skipped around a little bit um so I, i i went to benedictine college with the desire to to pursue theology and philosophy along with classical languages hmm. um and part of my motivation for this is I also had a, an inclination for priesthood. Hmm. Um, and <laughs> it was kind of like in high school, I was thinking like, man, maybe I should go to seminary. Hmm. I don't know for sure. Yeah, Maybe I'll just kind of like half-heartedly pursue seminary by studying the things I would be pursuing in seminary by going to Benedictine. Um, that was part of my motivation for yeah. doing so. Um so I went to Benedictine with that kind of in the back of my head. Hmm. Um, and it persisted quite a bit. So throughout Benedictine, I was continually thinking like, maybe I'm called the priesthood. Hmm. I don't know for sure. Um, but I never had like the confidence or the conviction to go to seminary. So I was meeting with like priests throughout my time at Benedictine. But also I started dating. Um, I think it started like my junior year of mm-hmm. Benedictine. Um so that kind of put a little bit of a of a an end to my my discernment of of um, priesthood, mm-hmm. but um, it still kind of persisted in the back of my head. And I think one of the things that that did persist was like this notion of knowing that the priesthood's like a higher calling mm. or a higher vocation. And I'm kind of an idyllic person, mm. <laughs> like I I like the I like to pursue like the highest notion or like yeah. the like greatness. Like I said before, I'm kind of like a deeper, like I gravitate toward deeper things. And I, uh, that's what I kind of desire for myself is like the ideal. Yeah. Um, so I recognize the priesthood and, and religious life is like this ideal. Yeah. And it's kind of hard to like eradicate it from, from mm. my vision. Mm. And so, throughout my time of dating that, that, um, that was in the back of my head. Um, but I was able to push it away enough 
um, until um, I broke up with, or my girlfriend broke up with me for the first time. And I was, I was graduated from Benedictine at this point and I started like heavily discerning again. Hmm. So after that breakup, I, I knew that it was like the right thing to, to, to basically like give myself at least three months to six months of discernment, yeah. discernment just to like, just to prevent like not jumping back into the relationship out of like mm -hmm. feelings or, um, making a wrong decision or a rash decision. So I gave myself like three to six months of just discernment, like time off to, to kind of think through things. Yeah. Um, and throughout that time I, I discovered, um, a good spiritual director, director, and then also the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal mm. out in New York City. Yeah, to devoting their life to uh, helping out the poor and the like, drug addicted of the streets of New York, mm -hmm. um, and also a life of prayer. So I went out to New York a couple times, and then also mm. checked out my uh, my uh, diocese, the the the, the formation uh, seminary in uh, diocese of Winona, Minnesota. So. <clears throat> It's basically like those two different things that are in my head. Like, should I be a priest for my diocese or should I go to yeah. the friars in New York City? Um, and there is kind of a pivotal moment in my in my uh, discernment process. And it was actually when I was with um, the seminarians up in Minnesota. And the story, um, the story goes like I was, I was in the chapel um, just praying after mass and I was the only one there while I was like just taking a visit to the seminary and I, I had this experience that like I normally never have. And I know like some people are, are blessed to receive like, um, different words of, of, um, inspiration from the Holy spirit or maybe different visions. I'm not that guy. <laughs> yeah. I normally don't receive those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, but in this particular day, uh, there's a, a passage from the Bible from the new Testament that just like kind of came into my head mm. and it stuck out to me because I hadn't reflected on it. I hadn't like been reading it or anything. It wasn't like preached at mass. Um, but the passage was the one that's spoken from the angel to St. Joseph mm. of Joseph. Do not be afraid to welcome Mary, your wife into your home. Mm. And it was very clearly like in my head, like I couldn't really like stop thinking about it. Hmm. And initially I was like, I don't know why this is in my head, but it seems <laughs> like it's in a head, my head for a reason. Um, so I just kind of stuck with it for a little while. Hmm. And again, I didn't understand why I was there, but I remembered it hmm. and re continually reflected over it for the past or for the next few days. And slowly, I think it started to make sense to me. Hmm. Again, like Joseph, don't, don't be afraid to welcome Mary, your wife, into your home. And I think what's, what uh, was revealed to me is <clears throat> in my own heart, I had this, um, again, I had this ideal, this ideal um, notion of the priesthood being like the preferable vocation. Mm -hmm. And marriage is not really the preferred way. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this is just like my, my conception of it. Yeah. And I started thinking from the perspective of, of Joseph as well. Hmm. Like I started thinking that when Joseph was with Mary, he probably had like this idyllic 
vision of what his life was going to be like with Mary. Hmm. Um, and I know there's some different perspectives, perspectives from scholars on, on what they maybe were like imagining before the angel revealed to Mary that, that she had the, the, the opportunity to say yes and, and invite the Lord to, to dwell among us. But before that happened, they probably had a different idea of what was going to happen. Yeah. And I know some people talk about like Mary and Joseph possibly entering into the sacrament of marriage, um, almost to like celebrate a monastic type of life together. Hmm. Um, because, I, uh, at least from what I've, I've read, it was more so, um, than today, like, if, if a person wanted to engage in a life of prayer and solitude, mm. especially if you're a woman, mm. like, how are you going to do that? Yeah. Um, because you, you, someone has to support you. There's right. no like monastic, um, congregations to support you. Yeah. So possibly Mary and Joseph came together and Joseph would like support Mary so she mm. could like live this life of, of prayer and solitude yeah. and Joseph could do something similar as well. Yeah. So again, like possibly that was like Joseph's understanding of like, this is the life they're going to live. Like they're going to come together. They're going to have like this idyllic life together, prayer and work. Um, But then, whoa, 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 hold on a second. Like now Mary's uh, has a child, like what's going on? And like, if this doesn't match the ideal, I'm guessing like Joseph's probably thinking like, I got to get away from this because this isn't the ideal vocation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he like starts to distance himself again, like a lot of this is speculation, but perhaps he's distancing himself because he doesn't feel worthy of the situation or because he doesn't uh, think it fits the ideal vocation. Mm. But the angel comes to him and says like, Hey, Joseph, I know you don't understand the situation. Yeah. And I know this might not be the ideal situation, However, this is the situation that God is inviting you to take part in and to lead. Yeah. And again, it's not ideal, but we're asking that you accept Mary into your home yeah. because she is your wife. And so again, like relating that to my own life, I think I started to see like God was asking me, like, like Tyler, I know that marriage perhaps isn't the ideal vocation. It's not like the highest level of holiness because you're not devoting your whole self to God. However, I'm asking that you trust me. Hmm. And I'm asking that like you trust that this is the way that Jesus is going to reveal himself to the world hmm. is by you accepting this non-idyllic vocation. Yeah. Um and what happens obviously in Joseph's situation is like, this is the best of all possible realities, you know, yeah. like it's by him accepting something that seems non-ideal that Jesus comes to us. And, yeah. and had he not done that, I'm guessing it wouldn't have been, <laughs> wouldn't have been as good as being the foster father of, yeah. of God. Yeah. Um, so I think that situation really gave me the confidence to pursue the vocation of marriage. Yeah. Um, and not like look poorly upon it <laughs> as a vocation, yeah, you know, yeah. and say like, you know, like Mary and Joseph had the, the vocation of marriage and, and this was the way that God desired to to dwell among us was through this vocation. Yeah. And he can do the same thing in my own life in a different way. Yeah. Um, so that gave me a lot of confidence pursuing the vocation of marriage. Um, and then from there on out, I, I truly haven't had any doubts about my vocation. 
um, there's definitely still been a, like a process of, of growing and, and, um, trying to, to become the man that I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, that was a huge po- uh, moment in my life uh, kind of recently. Yeah. Um, and then there was maybe one more, um, main experience from college that I, I wanted to mention too. Um, and it, re- uh, revolved around father Jasani that mm. I mentioned before. Yeah. Yeah, we've had a we've had a bunch of people on the podcast, by the way, who've had important kind of steps uh, due to communion and liberation. So yeah, it'd be good to yeah, it's awesome. Hear hear another another example of that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I had no idea of the movement communion and liberation. Yeah, uh, I had no idea who who the heck Father Giussani was. Yeah, um, and I think my reluctance to the movement was pretty pretty great at first. Hmm. Um, at least my experience at Benedictine was like, this is a pretty tight knit community, which Mm -hmm. makes sense because like, um, this movement was started like in the 1950s in Italy Mm -hmm. and it's supposed to be a lived reality and a lived movement. Um, so like, for example, at Benedictine, the, the, the students who are involved in communion liberation, a lot of them had families who lived out this movement, Mm. uh, this Catholic movement and, like they're very communal about it. It's like summertime, they, like their vacation is not yeah. going to Disneyland. Their vacation is spent with other families in this movement. Yeah. And they're going to Colorado together or they're going like up to hmm. like some specific place in Minnesota together, hmm. like wherever they're from, they're, they're living their vocation, uh, or sorry, their vocation and their vacation. Yeah. <laughs> um, together as like members of this community. Yeah. So there's a great cohesion. Hmm. And even the students at Benedictine, you saw this with like, they would eat their meals together. Like basically every meal they'd have together or in the morning, they'd say morning prayer together in like Hmm. a common space before going off to class. Hmm. Uh, they go to mass together. So it's Hmm. like, again, Hmm. they're living this life together. Yeah. So for a person who's never been a part of this, it can be a little difficult trying to like feel like you're a part of the movement. Yeah. Um, because like they know what's going on and I don't know what's going yeah. on. And there's also like, as there is with any movement, like particular language that's associated with like the founder who started this movement. Yeah. Um, or a particular way of living life that like just a normal Catholic might not pick up on at first. Yeah. So yeah, it was kind of hard, and and I did I honestly didn't like it at first. I think the first time I saw it was like my freshman year, and um, you really didn't um, appreciate it, I guess, yeah. for what it was worth. But it, I, I was brought back to it with another friend. Um, I think my junior year, and really started to see it in a different life and kind of see like, and these people really are living the Catholic faith mm-hmm. and the Christian faith in a very very intentional way. Yeah. Um, and I think I, I desired that mm. and I desired that community as well. Yeah. Cause it, truth be told, like we don't really have a ton of community past college, you know? Yeah. Like it, at least from my own perspective, the unfortunate reality is like a lot of people, um, maybe have their families, but like outside of going to mass on Sundays, there really isn't a ton of community had amongst coworkers, amongst community members and parish members. Yeah. Um, so communal liberation is definitely attractive yeah. to combat something like that. Um, so I started, I started, uh, I guess 
going to more meetings and and like I said, we'd go, we'd have meals and prayer, but then we'd also do like charitable work once a week together. Um, we'd often have like singing together with like mm. someone playing guitar, and that's like maybe how we'd spend our Friday nights together nice. instead of drinking. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a lot of things done together, but one of the most impactful moments I think um, actually involved. Uh, another friend kind of calling me out and hmm. it was right around finals time. This might've been my senior year and this is in December. And I was thinking to myself and spoke out loud to my friends, like, all right, we just got a couple finals left and then like, we're good to go. Just got to get through this, got to study hard. And then we're on Christmas break and we get to enjoy that. Yeah. And <laughs> she turned to me and, and, uh, using a little bit more explicit language said like, <laughs> forget that. <laughs> but... And like, it like really shocked me at first, not only the language, but like, I didn't, I didn't get what she meant. I was like, yeah. no, like we just got to get through this and then we're good. Right. She's like, no, I don't want to live my life like getting through mm. until like we're on Christmas break. And I was like, wait, what do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> you like want to study? Like you're, you're looking forward to this or what? And she's like, well, I just, I truly believe that like Christ has something for us right now mm. like mm. if he is who he says he is yeah he's not just our savior like in specific moments of life but he truly transforms all of it yeah and like he has promised that there's something for us in every moment of reality mm. and <clears throat> again it kind of just didn't really make sense to me i didn't understand how that could be possible like i to me i thought like there's moments that that aren't like really worth embracing and uh there are good moments but the bad mm -hmm. moments like we just try to get through right and then yeah. endure it and and that sort of thing but <clears throat> her conviction with which she spoke uh just like had a huge impact on hmm. me and i was like hmm. she actually lived that way hmm. um and that persisted and i continually reflected on that and i guess i started to see that 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 truly was what Christ promised to us hmm. is that he conquered not only like the good moments, but he also conquered sin. He also conquered death. He conquered suffering and offered us like redemption in all of it. And we're capable of finding his, finding his presence in all of it. Yeah. And, um, I guess I started just to, um, I think the first step is like just remaining open to that possibility and there was a couple of different situations in my life that like really <laughs> afforded me the opportunity to enter mm -hmm. into that disposition. Yeah. And maybe I'll share one more story uh, about living in Italy for a little while. Um, so I, I, I think this is after now, like after college and after my first year of teaching at St. James, I went to Italy to teach throughout the summertime. And if anyone's been to Italy for the summertime, you probably come across the phenomenon of basically no air conditioning. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, they're like 20 years behind us when it comes to technology, but it did, like wherever I went, there basically was like no air conditioning. And, but, and the cool thing was, is that we got to stay with host families. But the unfortunate thing was that our dinner times were like normally super long like i don't it's a kind of an italian thing to like have a nice long dinner and just chit chat but again it's so hot <laughs> no air conditioning my body's so good at cooling me down 
So what happened is it's kind of like an awkward thing. Like I started sweating a little bit and I think like I got a little uncomfortable with that and noticing like no one's el- no one else is sweating. <laughs> Why am I sweating? <laughs> I, th- I like just got more uncomfortable with that, um, with that fact. And, and then, so obviously like the more nervous you get, the more uncomfortable you get, the hotter you get. And before you know it, like my clothes are just like drenched <laughs> in sweat. And now I'm feeling so uncomfortable that I, I have to like excuse myself from dinner. And obviously everyone like notices what's going on. <laughs> but I just feel like a total idiot for like having this happen. But also just like the fact that um, I wasn't able to like to control my like nervousness, you know, mm-hmm. and control my body. <laughs> um so this happened once, but not only did it happen once, it happened like again and maybe like a couple more times. And it, it got to the point where I was just nervous to have another meal with them. I was like, <laughs> do we have to have, have to have dinner again? <laughs> and I was also like Googling like how to stop sweating. That's hilarious. <laughs> I, was, I was just like, I don't know, kind of a wreck trying to figure out like how to like get through this, how yeah. to get through this situation because this is not a situation I want to be in. But then I guess I was confronted again with remembering what my friend had said to me. Um, and I, I was challenged to think to myself that possibly uh, Jesus had something for me hmm. in the moment. Hmm. And even if, it, even if it was a moment of great awkwardness and suffering, that perhaps there was something of value there. Yeah. And um, I, I just remember saying a prayer. Um one time uh, before going to another meal, I was like, you know what, Lord, I have no idea how you're going to use this or how hmm. you're going to like sanctify this or hmm. what possibly you could be presenting to me Yeah. Uh, in, in the reality of this present moment, but I'm going to enter into it and I'm, I'm finally going to accept it and I'm going to look for your presence in this moment. Yeah. Um, so I guess the kind of the cool thing the cool thing that happened in that moment was since I've, I accepted it, hmm. uh, I no longer like viewed it as a negative thing and I no longer got so nervous. I was like, you know what, if, if I start sweating, I'm going to embrace it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> I'm just going to like, remember that like possibly God has something for me here. Yeah. Even if it's like simply humility, yeah. you know? Yeah. And if, if that's what he wants me to, to grow in, then I, I should be open to that. Cause yeah. that's a good thing. And I probably need it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so it happened and, and again, my sweating diminished. I still sweat a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, the, the coolest thing that happened was that there was, um, another person in the family is, is the daughter of the family. One of the daughters of the family, she and I were similar age, but she, I was probably there for like two and a half weeks, but she started sharing a little bit about her own life and her own faith with me. Hmm. And she kind of like mentioned how uh, she was going through like some negative thoughts. And, and um, she even mentioned that like, she probably like would commit suicide someday. Wow. Um, But that she didn't like really know like when it would happen or how, but she just like, didn't really have too much um, mm. reason to continue. Wow. And I was like struck because she, sh- she said it like so nonchalantly. Yeah, yeah. And like as if it was like, yeah, it's probably a reality for me. Like I'm probably going to commit suicide or, or at least like my life isn't really worth anything. Like 
what would be the point in continuing. And, um, I remember saying that and at first I was just so struck and I didn't know what to say. Yeah. Um, so I kind of left it for the day <clears throat> encouraged her a little bit, but she, I remember going on another walk with her and, and she was sharing a little bit more about it. And, um, she kind of got into like how there were certain things about her that she just didn't like. And, hmm. um, certain things that she just like didn't want to accept about herself either. Hmm. Hmm. And I was, I was thinking to myself, it's like, man, should I share my own like, <laughs> experience of what has just happened? And, uh, I, I was like thinking to myself, like, I know it's probably very, very different, but in some term, like some terms it's similar, but like I had something about my own self that I didn't like. And the more I tried to like fix it or control the situation, mm. yeah. like the worse it got. But once I finally understood that perhaps there's like something of value that God is desiring yeah. me to have that the situation got better, you know? Hmm. And so eventually I, I shared that with her and I was like, I know this might be totally different and <laughs> much less severe, <laughs> but I encourage you just to perhaps think like maybe there is something hmm. of value and maybe you don't have to fix yourself. Like hmm. Maybe God is just ask, asking you to accept where you're at right now yeah. and, and trust him that he will like, use this and he'll enter into it and sanctify it yeah. and bring something good out of it. And so she, <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to get from that, but she just kind of paused and, and like, just kind of said, Hmm. And I, <laughs> that was kind of it. But she was like, definitely thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it wasn't until I got back to the United States a couple of weeks later that hmm. she just like wrote me a little letter that, basically said that that actually had a huge impact hmm. on her hmm. that that god could possibly be um desiring to come to him um hmm. in those moments of weakness yeah but then also explicitly like he desired to come to her through like the words that i offered to her hmm. and just hmm. through the, the compassion and hmm. and just journeying together with her yeah um so i guess it just like <laughs> it struck me that the initial moment that kind of led to all this was yeah. like something that I wanted to run away from and something yeah. that I wanted to just live through. Yeah. But it was in that very moment that like God desired to come into yeah. and transform not only my life, but then also this life of another person. Yeah. And had I just lived through it, I never yeah. would have experienced that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, <clears throat> that has led me, um, to kind of accept this, um, Again, this beauty of the present moment that I found in the mm. movement from Father Jasani of yeah. of living reality intensely. And that's mm. kind of like, I guess, a catchphrase that he's really well known for. Mm. It's like living here and now yeah. intensely. Like Christ desires to be with you here and now. Not in the future. Not when like life is good. Not when like you have your, your life figured out. Yep. Not in simply heaven, but also here and now. Yeah. And he truly does dwell among us. Um and so that, I guess, is like provided an, an immense amount of uh, meaning in my life that, yeah. that every single moment can provide value mm -hmm. and can provide meaning. It's not just the good ones. It's, it's often like the bad ones that yeah. are, provide the most meaning uh, or at least uh, appear to be bad. Um, and I really have it like tried hard to encourage my students in that as well. That like not only when it comes to like test taking, but also just like 
every moment of life yeah that um that god desires to show you something beautiful now and the first step is just being open to yeah to the reality that's in front of you but there's always something here today january 13th you know yeah like this day is special yeah and it has something for you no matter what yeah um so i think those are some of the biggest moments from um my faith journey and i'm blessed to be engaged currently and continue to grow my faith with uh anna herrick and it's just been a huge blessing and anticipating being a, a spouse and mm-hmm. potentially being a father someday and doing all that I can to continually prepare and and not just looking forward to the, the time of being married, but also taking this <laughs> yeah. this yeah, time yeah. of engagement seriously and, yeah. and preparing well and, and entering into the spirit of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely looking forward to, to yeah. many things as well. Yeah. Dude, that's great, man. Thanks for sharing your, yeah. uh, your story. And, um, there's a lot of things in there to draw out. I love the um, the more I've read about, of course, that's a central theme in just kind of Catholic, the Catholic spiritual tradition is the practice of the present moment, you know, and mm-hmm. it's it can be phrased in all sorts of different ways. Um, but uh, but it's funny; it does seem like so much of our society is like, well, if I just do this, or once this day arrives, mm-hmm. like it's sort of like real happiness is always just around the corner, you know, but we can like, (laughs) it always slips through our fingers because unless you're, yeah, unless you're living in the present day, like right, like in this very moment, then it's, it's going to pass away. That was actually a, um, like your friend with the finals, that, that story. I had a similar moment in high school that was part of my own conversion where like, a friend of mine was like, I can't wait till the dark night comes out, like the, <laughs> the second installment of uh, the Christian Bale Batman series. And um, uh, I don't know, we were sophomores or something, juniors in high school when the dark night came out. And uh, and it, he was like, I can't wait till it comes out. Like, And when he said, I can't wait, it was like, he meant it like fairly literally, like he was so excited for this movie that like it was difficult to wait and it was six months away so like it wasn't coming out for like six months i remember thinking to myself i was like man like 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 are you not going to get anything out of life for like the next six months you know and it wasn't like a passing of judgment on him it was sort of like a light bulb moment for myself it was like um all these six months are gonna like there's going to be nothing in those and you're looking forward to this like, you know, two hour, 20 minute (laughs) like period of your (laughs) life so much that like all the hours in between are going to be lost. And it was, I think that was my first like opening insight to like, what if there's a way to like, yeah, like milk every, (laughs) every moment, so to speak. Um, and, and I love, I love how you, how it sounds like in communion and liberation, they they couch that in like, um, what does Jesus have for me in this moment? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love the way you mentioned that. That's, uh, I think, a way to kind of personalize that practice of the present moment, as it's often called, mm-hmm. rather than just saying like, I'm going to live in the present, saying, what does Jesus have for me right now? I don't know. It makes it a little more exciting. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um but but that was great. One thing for our listeners I think would be helpful, you know, you were mentioning a bit in your own vocational discernment. Mm-hmm. Um, 
this idea of like the priesthood as a higher calling. And I think sometimes that can be really confusing for a lot of people, this sort of like um, difference in like uh, vocational calls. Um, so I think for our listeners, it's good to, and you kind of use some language, I think that's good, can be easily misunderstood often um, of sort of like, what, what does it mean for the priesthood to be a higher calling than, mm-hmm. you know, marriage and, um, without going into great detail, we may end up covering this in a, another podcast at some point, but just for our listeners, the church has actually solemnly defined, I don't know if you knew, in the Council of Trent that, um, because during the Protestant Reformation, this idea of celibacy in particular, um, being a higher state in life than marriage kind of came under fire from the, uh, mm. Protestant Reformation. So the Council of Trent at that time reaffirmed kind of solemnly, yes, the celibate state is a higher state in life than marriage, um, partly because it's the state of life that our Lord lived, um, also because it's the state of life we'll live in heaven. And as St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, we sort of allow ourselves uh, freedom to be devoted wholeheartedly, like 100% completely just to God himself. and so we would say that like celibacy is objectively higher for our listeners. However, and this is the <laughs> the critical distinction that if if it goes unexplained or un uh, unreceived, it can be super confusing. Which is that um, if that isn't your calling, mm-hmm. then it's actually not better. <laughs> for, like if you're not called to be celibate, it's not. It's gonna be better for you to to pursue what we would call the objectively lower vocation of marriage and for you then that becomes subjectively better so we may have just confused you listeners even more but (laughs) but uh that's great but i think it's i don't know if you ever get into those conversations with your high schoolers or about vocations that's always on people's minds in the catholic world you know yeah a little bit here and there um i don't know if uh they think too much in terms of like, oh, I want the best one. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like most of them are like, I just want to be a dad or a father or yeah. husband, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I think it is good to, to remember too, that <clears throat> in terms of like the greatest saints of our church as well, like Mary, like number one, Joseph, number two, yeah. you know, yeah. um, both of them married, mm-hmm. definitely had like a extraordinary circumstances, <laughs> yeah, right. but yeah, but, uh, yeah, I think you said it well that, you always have to like remember that this isn't just uh, an objective thing right Right. like obviously it is objectively higher but but there's the there's the aspect of you yeah have you been called to what has god asked of you to do yeah exactly Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah another another thing in your in your story obviously uh friendship played a huge role in your life Mm -hmm. um your friend um is it Carson? Carson, yeah, yeah, and um, and I was just kind of curious, like in your in your role teaching, um, and you teach mostly or exclusively Latin. That's um, more so Latin now, but also philosophy. Okay, and I've also okay. done some lifetime fitness. Lifetime fitness. <laughs> How is that different from regular fitness? Um, it's supposed to be like. Uh, teaching the students about activities they can do throughout their whole life. Oh, nice. So like, okay. Um, it's like, like bingo, badminton, not yeah. bingo, it's not a sport. <laughs> <laughs> badminton, uh, awesome. Yeah, or even like tennis or yeah, nice. uh, golf and that sort of thing. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. I would love to teach lifetime fitness. Yeah. That sounds awesome. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, what, 
one question, I guess, regarding friendship, especially how you've sort of tried to, I don't know how to put it in a business terms, like maximize friendship in your life and like the, the, the role it can play, the value it can add. Um, do you, um, do you try and encourage that much or teach that much among your students? Do you, do you see like real friendships kind of happening at the, in your particular high school? Mm -hmm. Like, um, maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, I'm fortunate to be able to teach a little bit of Aristotle's Nicomachean ethics in in one of my classes. So I do get into uh, a little bit of his perspective on, Hmm. on the different types of friendship and, Hmm. Like the friendship of utility, the friendship mm. of enjoyment, and yeah. the friendship of virtue. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I, I definitely like to infuse it also with my own um, experiences of friendship. And I think I definitely do encounter some students who have like beautiful friendship. And, mm. and it's interesting to kind of see it um, throughout different groups at the school as well. Like, yeah. for example, the cross country team is just developed this phenomenal culture hmm. of friendship. And hmm. I'm not sure if it's like the way that's organized or like maybe also has a, um, has been influenced by the coaches and, hmm. and that sort of thing. I'm sure there's many different elements, but yeah. I mean, cross country has that aspect of like, like sometimes you're just like stretching you have all this time for conversation and, um, hmm. growing together, but then on your runs too, like really encouraging each other to like pursue this goal. Yeah. So it's like, it's an individual, like I got to take responsibility on myself, yep. um, take responsibility for like achieving this good time. But then also like I have to cheer these other people on too. Yeah. So it's, it's individual, but it's communal has good conversation. So I definitely see them like achieving many good, um, aspects of friendship in high school yeah but there's also like many trite <laughs> friendships as well sure. yeah um i guess some of the things i've encouraged my students is to to be very intentional about friendship yeah um and don't spread spread yourself too thin yeah i think some people maybe um struggle with that more than others of just having like all these friends or all these different groups that they're a part of and yeah they don't really dive deeply into many of them yeah um, so I share my own like witness of, of how like there's that friendship with Carson of like daily communication and daily reassessing, like, did I live like the life that I should have lived today? Yeah. Um, and just sharing other things too. But uh, I would say now there's maybe like three or four, like really close friends that I'm, hmm. I, uh, make a point of checking in like weekly or biweekly, hmm. um, it's definitely become less as I've grown older, but I have yeah. made made sure that even if like some of my friends have kids now and yep. have a wife, that I'm I'm checking in with them and that they also have an opportunity to to go deep in into like my own interior life and yep. the things that are happening because it's just so easy to to like fall off the the wagon or fall oh, off yeah. Like, yeah. like the pursuit of virtue if you're just doing it on your own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um you can get just too sidetracked with daily tasks and work and yeah. whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's probably the main thing I tell my students is to, to make sure you foster like, like a few friendships Yeah. and, and be open and like vulnerable with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember like, uh, I don't know where I would be without, I had three, 
really close friends in high school and just like the decision at certain moments to really open up, you know, mm-hmm. at that age mm-hmm. proved like absolutely critical because, mm-hmm. because as I'm sure you see on a daily basis, especially in those younger kind of maturing years, like we want to be known, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and if you, if you're known at that age, like totally by some friends, then, uh, then you, f- you feel secure enough to kind of like face the world. Oh yeah. If you, if you kind of, are keep are holding things like significant things back about yourself that only you know about whether it's struggles or mm-hmm. you know things that have happened to you or whatever like um then it just sort of gets bottled up a little mm-hmm. bit so yeah that's good to hear that it seems like there's some good kind of a good culture of friendship right. more or less that's right. that's present there and mm-hmm. yeah and I'm, yeah. I'm very straightforward with them just saying like hey you may think that you, you have like a struggle that no one else has, <laughs> but yeah, it's, yeah. it's not true. Yeah. You know, or you may think that like you can keep this within for so long, but it's not worth yeah. it. You know, um, whatever you have, like find someone that, that will, will like share in that with you and, yeah. and encourage you. And I, I get to teach on Plutarch too, <clears throat> ancient Roman, yeah. but he has like a really good quote that I like to share with them about like, like a true friend is not just someone who acts like a shadow <laughs> who just like, <laughs> nods when i nod and just like repeats words whatever like Hmm. says what i want to hear but a true friend like wants your goodness yeah and um and and pushes you toward that yeah and tells you things which are hard to hear yeah but then is also there and uh providing compassion too when when things are rough and accepting you as you are but yeah encouraging you to become more you know yeah that's a great, I love that uh, image. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Not just a shadow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, good, man. Well, um, I think we're out of time basically. So thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks and, for uh, having me. Yeah. It's been great. Great to hear your story a little bit and, and, and chat. So, uh, yeah, best of luck to you continue, uh, into the future with, um, not only your engagement, but teaching at the school and, yeah. and, um, your yearly sort of uh or biannual however often you make some sort of crazy yeah <laughs> crazy decision to live without a car or whatever it is um and um yeah and thank you all for uh for listening to this episode of the city on a hill podcast um tune in next time for for another episode enjoy your day and we will see you later bye-bye thank you for tuning in to this episode of the city on a hill podcast Please subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and leave a review so others will come across our content. If City on a Hill has been a gift to you, consider joining our mission by making a monthly gift. Learn more at kansascityonahill.org donate. Be your best and strive to be a saint.